I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Did you know that Wix.com is used by more than 84 million people worldwide? That's a ridiculous number. I didn't make it up. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business and they make it real simple. You go sign up for free, use one of their customizable templates Drop in your images. You don't need to hire a designer or any of that stuff. Yeah, you can just do it yourself with Wix.com. So go today. It's fast and easy. Send us a link to your new site, and we'll talk about it on the air if you made it with Wix.com. Don't try to cheat on that. Can't wait to see what you make. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. I have a very sexy episode for you today. My guest is Missy Suicide, the CEO and founder of Suicide Girls. You might know the website or the books or the TV shows, the movies, the burlesque show. They do it all. Missy started the Suicide Girls community for people who felt outside the norm to hang out online. It also happens to have pictures of beautiful women and she's been redefining the definition of beauty from day one. She gets letters from girls all over the world who say they didn't feel beautiful until they saw Suicide Girls. She's going to give us some really interesting insights into her path as an entrepreneur, how she handles the haters, the power of finding the right name, and why she hires from within the community. All that stuff and more in our interview right after this, the EDM.com track of the week.
Okay, that was Diggy with the song Tragedy, our EDM.com track of the week. If you like that, get over to EDM.com, and I'm sure you'll find some more music you like. And now, let's hear from Missy Suicide. I think sometimes that happens, and then sometimes they're like... Yeah, it's super. Yeah. Well, I let my older one name my younger one. Oh, so wow. He has, like, a sense of ownership. Yeah, that's big. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, it's your baby. You named him. Sure. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good parenting trick. Yeah. I like that. Nice. Well, thank you for being here. Missy Suicide. I'm so excited to have you here. I was, um, I've been a fan. I think, you know, I kind of knew of Suicide Girls, uh, but then I saw you speak at PSFK. Oh. Like 2007. Yeah. Something like that. And I was just blown away. Um, and, and, you know, I, I come out of publishing. I have a publishing background. And, and just you're, um, I mean, at this point, you're sitting atop an empire. Kind and of. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing what you've accomplished uh, even, you know, s- since that time. But so I've been kind of watching you from afar do your thing. And, and it's, it's really amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's going to be 15 years this year. Wow. Nuts. That's crazy. Are you guys, do you have, uh, is there like a celebration planned? We or? haven't started planning. It's, it happens in September, so we still got some time. Well, one thing I've noticed from publishing is that like you always want to celebrate these milestones, but then there's like, there's just another thing yeah. to get out, you know, and, and you guys, you know, you have books and you have events and you have TV shows and uh, there's just so Movies much. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we, we should throw something, our five-year anniversary party, actually, Paris Hilton got arrested at, so nice. that was a pretty fun party. That's big. <laughs> yeah. That's an accomplishment. Um, and our 10-year, I don't, I don't think anybody got arrested, but it was, it was still a pretty, pretty rocking event. Well, there's always this year. Yeah. So 15-year, maybe somebody needs to get arrested again. Exactly. Throw your name away a little bit. That's right. Yeah, we can, uh, we can, you can orchestrate that. Yeah. Make something fun. That's so cool. Yeah. We've got the burlesque show. We're going to be in yeah. in Germany in November. Blackheart? Blackheart Burlesque. Yeah. Um, and Very cool. Yeah. That's been going strong for like three or four, four years now. Yeah. Um, we're going to be touring the West Coast and um, Canada. Yeah. Um. In late April, early May. So if you want tickets, go to blackheartburlesque.com. Yeah, it looks awesome. The stuff I've seen online. So I want to go, I want to sort of take us back to the beginning, how you got into this crazy business. Um, But you're you're also the the first photographer, if I understand, right? Yeah, so it um, it was kind of an accident that it started, um, I uh, had been living in LA and working in the dot-com industry for, in like the early 2000s, 1999-ish. Uh-huh. Um, what, uh, can you say what dot-com you were at? I, I was at a number of different ones, you know, uh-huh. as, as was part of the case. Sure, <laughs> of course. Um, but like Launch, which became oh, Yahoo yeah. Music, and um, Scour, and uh, Den... And so entertainment, yeah, media entertainment stuff. 
media entertainment stuff, and then the were you did you know stuff. like were you in were you trying to be in the in the music and media business? Yeah, that- so I was in in music mainly, um, uh, just because that was kind of my passion at the time. Yeah, um, and what kind of music? Everything. Everything. Yeah. What did you grow up uh, listening to? I mean, I grew up listening to uh, everything from Otis Redding to Elvis Costello to uh, my first concert was Nirvana when I was 14. Nice. Baby, here I am, I'm a man on the scene. I can give you what you want, but you got to go home with me. I forgot some good old love, and then I got some in store. When I get through throwing it on you, you got to come back for more. Boys and things will come by the dozen, but that ain't nothing but drugs don't love it. Yeah, like a tiny venue, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and saw Smashing Pumpkins in a hundred-person venue. And wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. Do you remember the first record you bought? Uh, the first record I bought was Appetite for Destruction. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And I also bought Madonna's album that came out at the same time. Uh-huh. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was, she had like a corset, black and white. Yeah, I think that was all of them. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can picture it. Yeah. Um, but So you're super into music. Super into music. And then, and then when um, did you, when did the idea for that to be a career? Um, well, you know, it was right when, when the internet was taking off and I'd been on like IRC chats and like had been into into the internet and then when I went to college I went to college in Vermont and I helped them to um, create their first website and because um, I worked in the dean's office for mm-hmm. um, for like work study yeah and so it was building website and I thought it was so much fun and so cool and then um, I came out to LA uh, to for the summer to like have a summer off and hang out. And then I lost my funding to go back to school. And, uh-huh. so, and so I just started working and I ended up getting an internship at launch. Cool. Um, and uh, it quickly, I worked for Dave Goldberg, mm-hmm. um, who is the most amazing mentor ever. Nice. Um, he just believed in me and like, I was like literally a kid and he totally like encouraged me and helped me to, to see where, um, where I could go. Um, and, uh, so that kind of spiraled into a career. And then uh, in 2001, after the dot-com bubble burst, um, I was working at a semi-corporate-y job and hated it. Sure. It soul-sucking. <laughs> and, Hard to picture you in a... Yeah, well, I mean, I had had this, like, sort of charmed career yeah. early early on in that I had utter freedom and, like, my ideas were valued and, like, mm-hmm. everything was, was, like, picturesque and beautiful. And then... Um, then working in this like corporate environment, it, I, I was like, fuck this. And so I, I was like, I'm quitting and I'm taking, cashing out my 401k and I'm moving to Portland to go back to school for photography. Nice. You weren't from Portland originally. I am from Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Oh, and, nice. um, and so I packed up the U-Haul and drove up to Portland and on the way I stopped in San Francisco to stay with, um, uh, with a friend and, uh, she and I created this idea that we were going to make um, uh, these like collage, um, uh, like handbags and lampshades and belts and stuff like that, and like, okay. with like magazine, old magazines, and like ha- pair like hip hop lyrics with like uh, like 
old-fashioned magazine sort of like pinup beautiful oh, girls and stuff yeah and um we created a website where we could upload and like sell and like it was kind of like an early etsy sort of like mm-hmm. very very base sure. thing and yeah. um and so we went to this this uh magazine store called the the magazine uh ironically enough <laughs> <laughs> and uh it uh i found these these I was looking for like vintage fashion magazines and I ended up finding these old Playboys. Mm. And I was so stricken by the the beauty of uh there was one of Betty Page that um that Bunny Yeager had shot and I was like she's enjoying herself and like having she's she's is beautiful and feels like um she's just so comfortable and confident and like I it was like this is and she's naked <laughs> and like it um yeah. it really struck me and so I bought a bunch of of them you know along with some fashion magazines or whatever and I went to Portland um and I met some amazing women up there and um started to like integrate back into the scene and um one day a friend uh the first suicide girl actually rose found the magazines and she was like what's this year you know, like thirteen-year-old boy stash of porn. <laughs> I was like, no, and I explained the whole concept about how I wanted to shoot pictures of women that um, that had the same feel. You know, like that there's just something that was lacking in today's imagery mm-hmm. of women that um, that they were just so free and confident. And she was like, okay, shoot me. And so um, I shot some pinup photos of her. And then I shot pinup photos of her friend and then I shot pinup photos of a girl that I knew from junior high. Oh, <laughs> then, wow. Yeah. And then um, I had this collection of um, pinup style f- images of these women that were um, really unique and beautiful and had so much to say. And um, I, and they were not like anything that you saw anywhere um, in 2001. And so mm-hmm. um, I, met with uh, my friend and Sean who became my business partner and we sat down and we were having coffee and I was telling him about these and I was like, I don't want to just use their images and like put up their images. Like I don't want to put them in a gallery show because that's like a one-time thing. Um, I want to use, I want to give them a voice and give them a place where they can, you know, speak their mind and share their thoughts and feelings because these women have so much to to say. Mm -hmm. And so um, he was like, well, let's create a website. That's what we've done in the past. Like, let's just create a website. And so we put up a website, and um, it was one of the first community sites um, uh, that existed. And we wanted it to be sort of zine style where mm-hmm. like, you could just write about anything that you were passionate about. you know. And if you had four, four viewers or if you had 4,000 or 4 million, right. you know, like it was yeah. still um, – it was uh, you could talk about whatever niche you were into and um, and connect with people who shared your thoughts and feelings and um, then the girls could uh, express themselves and now it's it seems like such a, a mundane concept you know because everybody's like sharing their um, everybody sure. takes around like their yeah. their breakfast you know right. like um, and uh, back in the day nobody was doing it mm-hmm. and it was um, it was this it was the thing that it, that we got the most flack about was you know. Nobody's gonna want to put their their actual true life next to um, pictures of boobs. Like right. that's crazy. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. And so. Yeah, because the men's magazines at the time, you know, they like it was all stories. Right? It was all, like, I mean, it was all fake. That's what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. It was all made up. Yeah. You know about this. Tony loves per- candy, and right. she loves yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
um, she likes to go on long walks in the woods with her dog. And, yeah, like someone wrote that. Yeah. She had nothing to do with that story, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe she did like to go on walks in the woods with her dog, but she, she certainly didn't put that. That wasn't her right. own words. Yeah. Did people believe it? Like, uh, so if you, you know, if you grew up reading these magazines with all this made-up stuff, mm -hmm. and then you see this site that's got real stories, like, was there a point, did, did people get it right away? I think, so, we launched on September 3rd, 2001. And Interesting timing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, people, we'd kind of grown a, a pop, like a... Um, an awareness around Portland, so people were starting to propagate it with, you know, and the girls were putting their own stories, and the members yeah. also had blogs where they mm -hmm. could keep, share their, th their thoughts and feelings, and then, um, uh, so it was starting to grow slowly, and people were starting to get it, and then September 11th happened, and um, instead of being like this negative omen, it ended up being this crazy positive thing where people could share, like, just the, the yeah. harrowing loss and, like, the the total, you know, everybody felt so alone and so, like, their whole world was fucked up. And yeah. so they could share that and connect with people that were going through the same thing. And um, it really helped to build up the community um, because people had a place where they could come together. Sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, the, you know, like, that's so interesting because, I, I, you know, I'd almost expect there to be some sort of skepticism, like, uh, just, you know, is this a, like, I just wonder, do people have uh, trouble figuring out where to put it? Like, is this a porn site? Is it a community site, like, in your brain? You know, I, so I'm just curious, like, was that a, did you have to kind of go through that with people, or did they, did yeah. they just get it? Well, no, <laughs> I mean, I feel like nobody got it, nobody understood what it was, and the fact that they were putting these naked images up online automatically. It just had to go into the porn category for people because sure. there was that was the only thing that the internet was for was right. porn, you yeah. know. And um, you know, I really saw it as um, the images are designed to showcase um, how each girl feels beautiful about herself, um, as opposed to how the photographer wants to frame out the world, which is what ninety nine point nine percent of photography in the world is sure. is about photographer and their right. vision and the model is is superfluous you mm -hmm. know it's a prop exactly yeah and so um you know in in really trying to display how the girls feel sexiest about themselves or feel most beautiful um you know i i saw the platform of the internet as a way to to carry on that by giving the girls a platform to share their thoughts and feelings to make it more about them and to, to create something a new type of art, a new mm -hmm. type of, of self-expression. And, um, you know, I, so it, that's in, in and of itself seems super antithetical to porn to me. Sure. <laughs> but um, I quickly learned that everybody was just like, oh, so it's a porn site, so you're doing porn. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, not really. That's not. Did that have um, implications for you personally? Um, it was. It was hard to like just reconcile, but it was also um, hard even from a business perspective because everybody that was like, you know, looking at it for the porn side aspect of it was sorely disappointed because right. you know, it's just nudity. It's right. not anything that's 
um, that's graphic. And at the yeah. time in 2001, if you were a porn site on the internet, you were trying to be as graphic as possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, um, so we were this team team site for porn, and which we didn't even want to be. You know, we didn't want to be associated in that in that realm at all. And um, it wasn't really because it was on the internet, which was this sort of like new kid platform. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't considered art, and it wasn't there wasn't any other community site. On, online so people it was just floating in its own category and people didn't really understand yeah. where, where, what it was or so when you when you do that I mean again you know we sit here now and there's you know millions of fans around the world you know on on your site on Facebook on Instagram like you, you know it really it really is an empire yeah um, there's like 20 million social network followers yeah um so how much of that was the vision from the beginning? Like you and Sean sat there over a cup of coffee. Like, was this like, I mean, obviously you didn't know we're going to have, you know, <laughs> 6 million people on Facebook, right? Yeah. Which didn't exist at the time. But yeah, if it was, then perhaps I would have started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but like, you know, how big was the vision when you started? I mean, the vision was that we saw this potential in the internet as a, as a platform to like bring people together because we'd both, you know, been on message boards in the past and like we'd worked on like community sort of sites and saw like the, the very like, like the, the nugget of, of something happening. And so we, you know, we felt like this was a place that people could come together. And like, if you were to, to create a place that, um, people who felt outside the norm could come and hang out and, and, have as their like sort of home online and mm -hmm. um you know if there's like three people that feel like you in your small town and there's three people in every small town in the world that's an impressive number and like yeah. you're you're likely to create cool things and meet meet amazing people and um change your life and so we you know we had the the grand vision of it like being um something that that people could use to to come together but we didn't see it happening exactly as it has sure you know? yeah um yeah i wonder because you know like it felt like a pipe dream a little bit yeah um you know the startup world now is like all about the pivot mm -hmm. right and it's all about this idea that you know you're going to start and you don't know what's going to happen and you and so and in so they, you know, that world has worked really hard to kind of get people in that mindset that things are just going to change no matter what you think. Mm -hmm. And so was that like, uh, I mean, is that how you saw the business unfolding? Is this like series of pivots or, or was it more sort of natural than that? I mean, I feel like we had a very true vision from the beginning and like held true to our ideals. Like I think that it, our vision for starting it was the same as it is today and yeah. um and that we've adapted to the new technologies and like the way that people are using the site and like uh we but we've always had um the community input and like mm -hmm. what how people want to do things or what they want to see we've always take taken into um account and tried to accommodate it so um i don't see it as like a series of strategical pivots right. you know i feel like it's more like a clear-cut path that adapts to this living organism that we created in yeah. the community yeah 
So what about, um, you know, now we're 15 years later, the entire landscape's changed, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, right, your competition's changed, your, you know, your place in the world has changed. And I think, you know, you, it sounds like you set out to start a, a conversation that wasn't really being had at scale, right? It was being had in small towns and, you know, in yeah. bedrooms and in coffee shops, right? And so yeah. you allowed that to really flourish and happen in a more public venue. Um, do you think about how the need for what you do has changed? Um, or is it still the same mission? I think that it's still the same mission that, you know, celebrating uh, how the woman feels beautiful about herself. And, like, I feel like it's um, the message has evolved kind of as, um, you know, people are more accepting of tattoos these days. People are more accepting of, you know, like feminism is a big um is a big topic, sure. you know, where we've got a strong candidate for a potential female president, you know, yeah. um, and uh, I feel like it's uh, it's definitely an, an evolution um, in that sense. Um, but I still think that there's uh, there's still quite a place for um, there's still a lot more that we can go with it with sure. the same vision and the same um, same messaging. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how much, you know, I mean, it, it certainly has become much more topical um, and, and even, you know, in the in the brand world with, um, uh, you know, whether it's Dove or Sports Illustrated, right? Like, more mainstream entities are starting to recognize this broader definition of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is amazing, um, but there's still so much for are there to go? Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I get emails every day from girls that from around the world that say that they didn't feel beautiful until they saw the girls on Suicide Girls that looked like that looked like them, and that yeah, um, that the girls in the images not only were being you know celebrated by others as being beautiful, but in their like you can tell in their faces that they feel mm-hmm. beautiful, and so and that how, how that impacted everybody's life, and um, it's. Uh, there's still, I feel like, you know, it's it's great that Sports Illustrated and Dove and and you know companies are starting to to um, to portray more more real women and more um, just a more diverse range of, of beauty, um, but there's still so much more that can be done. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I feel like it's it's even it's like intrinsic to. Um, to the way that, that women grow up and like there's mm-hmm. so much more that women need to know, you know, just like to feel beautiful and to not have like this sort of like lesser than or feeling of um, having their, their, uh, you know, their particular hangups be the thing that, um, that defines them instead of the things that make them great. Sure. So how important is that feedback for you? Like, like in fueling your energy, you know, when you when you see these comments from from people, is it like, is that necessary for you? Um, it it definitely is validating, and um, it uh, it it keeps me going. <laughs> like yeah. it, in, it keeps me 
inspired to keep doing more and keep pushing more boundaries and keep doing as much as I can to make, uh, to make a difference and make an impact. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just, uh, I think that I would still be doing what I'm doing, but having that, that feedback, um, just makes me more passionate Sure. and trying different mediums and like to, to express the message and yeah. all that. We had a guest on recently, um, this comedian, Brandon Wardell, I don't know if you know Brandon, but he, he's, he talked about the dangers of um, only paying attention to the positive comments and kind of just tuning out the haters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you guys get a lot of both, I would imagine. Yes. Um, Mainly on social media, but. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, our community tends to be pretty supportive. I mean, they yeah. tell me what is up, like if. There's something that they're not happy with. They'll definitely let me know. What's been something that they've helped steer you in the right direction? Um, everything from like the way that groups are handled to uh, um, to chat on the site to mm-hmm. um, uh, you know the the community tells us which girls become suicide girls. They have been a, a say in that. Yeah. Um, and so the community is really vocal and really active, but they're really respectful too at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, which is kind of rare because yeah. <laughs> like Instagram, you can't post a photo with your grandmother without getting, you know, her called a slag. Or right. you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. people are just awful. Yeah. Like, fucking awful online. Totally. And, um, they, uh, um, and, but on suicide girls, people post naked photos of themselves and there's rarely like one comment that's, semi unsupportive you uh-huh. know <laughs> like sure um and uh so i feel like that is that's great but i mean we do read all of the the hater stuff too yeah um and i feel like it's it's important to to see but um see the haters but i feel like for the most part it's noise you know like it's how do you so how do you filter how do you know what to pay attention to and what to ignore um it's it's interesting because like like we do Facebook streaming now um with live streams yeah and uh the other day I did one and like like there were haters that like that called out like the specific things that I was insecure about like like your eyebrows what's up with those like and I was like fuck man right <laughs> I I didn't do my eyebrows about you today. yeah oh, and it goodness. was like yeah it was like oh like they they just know how to somehow hone in on the things that you're the most insecure about. Sure. Um and so it's hard to filter that out, but at the same time it's like you know, you can kind of in retrospect it's like you can say like, okay, well, you you know that you didn't do your eyebrows good today. Right. <laughs> like and By the way, your eyebrows look great today. <laughs> thanks. Um and uh and uh you can, you know, you can do better and like just use that as something that like, there's always some sort of kernel of truth in the hater speech yeah. for the most part. I mean, some people are just dicks, but... Sure. Like, <laughs> so so what have you heard that, like, do you ever hear something that makes you question, you know, the mission or the, or like what you're doing? No. No. <laughs> no. Never. No. In 15 years, never. Mm, I mean, I've had, like, periods of self-doubt where, sure. like... The internet has been really mean to me, um, but you know, for the most part, like there was a whole 
thing like 10 years ago about how I wasn't feminist and like how I shouldn't use the word feminist and all this. And I was like, right. you know, it's something that's so personal to so many women and like it, it's, um, and it, it made me feel like, okay, well maybe I shouldn't say feminist. Maybe I shouldn't be like, you know, saying it out loud. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, even though that's how I feel, but maybe I don't want to offend other people by pushing my ideals out there. And, um, you know, it took a long time for me to, to be able to, to own, you know, what it what it is that I'm doing and like that what I am doing is is a feminist ideal and um you know that just because uh that our bodies are such an intrinsic part of our who we are and to to deny you know our sexuality and to deny our um it it, it just it robs us of so much power and so much it, it just makes things you have so many hang-ups and so much like baggage and so yeah you know to embrace it and to to be attuned with it is um is so much more empowering than to feel shameful of it and so mm-hmm. um you know i it took actually speaking in front of a, a ucla uh women's studies group for me to feel like wow fuck yeah i am feminist that's <laughs> a hardcore audience I, it I, was <laughs> i i know some of those uh ucla yeah women's studies and it was like right on the heels of like all of that where i was like i'm not i shouldn't feel like right. i can say that i'm feminist and what was but it, I what did, did it what was the feedback from them that um that helped there were girls in there that were that said that, that you know that they that the body positivity and that um that they felt uh that they felt empowered by by the body positivity message and that you know it shouldn't be we shouldn't be separate and mm-hmm. it you know, like just feeling like the embrace of other women that were studying, you sure. know, women's studies yeah. um, helped to just bolster my confidence. Yeah. So thanks, women's studies class <laughs> at UCLA. <laughs> so at the same time, you have this tribe of suicide girls that you lead. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they look to you in some ways. Um, and, and, I, and I would imagine they support you in some way, right, that there's this give and take. Yeah. With that community. Yeah, I've learned so much from so many of the women. I yeah. mean, I think if you ask any suicide girl what her favorite part about being a suicide girl is, and she'll say the friendships that she's made. Yeah. Um, because it is, it's such a rare supportive community because, you know, we're, her whole basis is that, you know, every woman is beautiful and that, that so it takes away the competition that was dominant, I feel like, mm-hmm. in society more... Um, more so like 15 years ago, but, or maybe I'm just insulated by my core group of awesome suicide girls that I don't have to deal with other women. But <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, that, I imagine that insulation is probably important. Yeah. But, you know, it's, there, it's, I just get so much love and so much support from so many of the women and like they share their crazy, awesome stories. You know, like one of the girls is an MMA fighter in Italy and one of the girls is a lawyer in Brooklyn and yeah. like, it's just like there's just so many you know there's an architect in in uh australia and like they just have so many cool interesting stories about how they got to where they are and and um they're so unabashedly themselves and proud and confident of of all of their decisions and you know it hasn't hindered them in in any way in their Mm -hmm. careers and it's um it's just it's so inspiring Big shout out to our sponsors at Wix.com. Thank you to Wix for supporting the Rebel Radio Show. 
And the rest of you, you need a website for your business, your personal portfolio, whatever your hustle is, you need a site that you can send around. You don't need to spend a bunch of money hiring a designer, a coder, all that stuff. Just go to Wix.com. There's hundreds of templates you can choose from. It's real easy to customize, drop in all your images, your text, all that stuff. And the result is a great looking website that you made yourself for free and it's fast and easy. So save a bunch of time, money, and all that, get it done. There's no credit card required or none of that hassle. You can get your website live today. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. So you talked a little bit about the beginning and September 11th and all that. And um, when, when did you, when did you feel that you had, that, that it was working, that you made it? I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a, like, a, not negative, but like a, like cautious person. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah. I feel like, um, that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on in life is just celebrating like the small victories because sure. I don't know. One of the things that I've realized is that there's never like that moment where everything changes and where your life is like, it's all set. Like right. even when, even when things happen that are super fucking cool, you have like, um, it takes a lot of work to maintain or to actually implement so what, them. So what's one, so what's something early that you're like, this is super fucking cool. Um, being on Nightline. Yeah was amazing um yeah I can imagine <laughs> um, and so, that was like three months in so oh wow yeah okay it was like that was like and the story was positive generally it was generally positive i mean they were that was the first time that i was really asked the porn question and i was oh, like yeah. thrown for a loop a little bit by it but yeah. um for the most part it was you know uh, it was a cool experience like yeah. ted koppel like dude yeah. ted koppel <laughs> you know sure. like he could pretty much it, Call me. Is he know? a member of the site? <laughs> I don't know if you can talk about that. I don't, I don't, is he still alive? I don't know. I if don't Ted Koppel's still alive, call in. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Um, um, but, um, but yeah, so that was one thing that was really cool. And then, like, I mean, I was on CSI New York as myself. Oh, wow. Like, that's it's pretty. Badass. Yeah, that's pretty With amazing. With um, CSI New York. Oh, I don't know what show Ice T's on. I don't know either. There's like three or four. That's a good one. Yeah, CSS. Yeah. Um, but, but as yeah. yourself, as my, that's pretty Playing badass. myself, like in a story that was written about Suicide Girls. Like, yeah. That it was. That's so cool. It was super, super cool and like doused in blood and like it was crazy. Nice. Um, But yeah. So. so so I get it, right, that it just sort of, you know, shit just kind of keeps going. But yeah. is there, so what happens like the day after Nightline? Like, does it. Is the game different? No. No. You have to like Same keep thing. working. Yeah. yeah. It's it's always work. And even after like CSI, like it's like, okay, so the script is written and then you've got to like arrange to have the girls fly out and like, right. you know, coordinate all of that. Sure. And then like, you know, you've got to do the, the filming and like be on set and like, and then it airs and like you, there, we got a ton more attention, but it wasn't like, you know, like everything in the world changed for us, you know, at that point in that. Right. You know. Uh, Do you think about uh, like how, okay, we have this show coming up, you know, I'm on CSI, like 
you know, what's our strategy? How are we going to capitalize on this? How are we going to get more subscribers or like, what is the, you know, what's the business? I mean, for sure, that? every like, on every opportunity, we have to think about, you know, how to how to capitalize on it and how yeah. to, um, and it's different for everything. But um, is there one thing that you've done from a marketing perspective that really stands out as having <clears throat> had the biggest impact? I mean. Uh, embracing social media has been yeah. crazy good for us. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was a decision early on whether, you know, people were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be on it. It's like competition, you know. And I was like, no, it's it's great. If people are going to be spending more time online, you know, yeah. they they should know about our community. If And if it interests them, then they'll become members. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just embracing that and like, you know the the whole boats floating theory, like the more right the tide rising, or I don't I don't really know what it is, but if the more the more boats are in the ocean, the more tide is rising, the more yes. people everything is floating about, and <laughs> there's fish there's in the sea. There's some floating and, in it, right? <laughs> it's you know yeah. you know the boats. Yes, the boat um, thing. The boat thing. Um, and uh, you know that might if, be our first nautical reference <laughs> on the show. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, one. <laughs> one for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just embracing social media and like, you know, ha every, every new social media that comes out, we, we have um, a strategy for like, you know, Periscope where like the number two or three followed account. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> uh, and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, you know, like we, we just come up with different ways to utilize each one based on how the community there is, is absorbing information. And, um, it's been a pretty good strategy so far. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah because the more people that, cause our, our community is niche and it is something that appeals to a limited, you know, not, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when people discover it and find it, then um, then they embrace it and they want to be a part of it and they want to be, um, they don't want to have to deal with the, the fuck me dude on Instagram. You know, like right. they want to they yeah. come in like um, and have nice comments and like have discussions about everything from vegan cooking to politics to um, hip hop music to mm -hmm. um David Bowie dying to whatever it is that they want to talk about with people that get it, not, yeah. you know. Have you watched, has the music changed? Like, I, you know, visually, you know, you tend to associate the site with, like, you know, punk rock or alternative. Um, I mean, I feel like everybody kind of, in this day and age, everybody listens to a little bit of everything. I mean, yeah. I feel like that was kind of the case back then, was too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like... You know, when we started the site, it was a post-John Hughes world where not everybody identified themselves with the subculture, subgenre of music that they listened to. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like, I'm a punk rocker, I'm a raver, I'm, you right. know, like, it, but back in the 80s, that was how people defined themselves. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like, you know, like, my favorites were, you know, uh, Ice Cube, Elvis Costello, The Pixies, and Dolly Parton, you know, and like. That's a great tour. <laughs> yeah, it's good, that, good lineup. That is good lineup, right? Yeah. I feel like that would be the positivity tour. Absolutely. <laughs> Suicide Girls Tour. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll open for you guys if you guys want to go out. Nice. We'll even do it for free. <laughs> that's, that's cool. 
So I feel like the music has evolved and musical tastes have evolved, but like, you know, David Bowie was huge and shocking death you sure. know, this year, but Fife Dog was also, you know, big, had a big impact on yeah. a lot of people's lives. And um, it was, you know, heartbreaking as well. What is the impact? Because, you know, as a, a teen from the 80s, when we definitely identified ourselves by genre um i'm always fascinated with you know now that that's gone away like how do people organize their identity i feel like it's more um it's more uh compartmentalized because people could be into like you could be into superman comic books and uh adventure time and invader zim and uh you could love Little Wayne and love, uh, I don't know who, why am I drawing blank? Any like number of alternative bands. Sure. <laughs> and then, um, or like indie bands. And then, um, and that's, that's like you, you're, you're allowed to be more of a, a unique sort mm-hmm. of free floating thing. And you can connect with other people that share those specific interests, but they don't have to share every interest mm. anymore. And I feel like, you know, as a society, we're becoming more accepting of people because, like, we can relate on those granular levels. Sure. Um, And we don't have to have everything else be the same. Like, whereas I feel like, you know, back in the 80s, it was, like, large swaths of, like, you know, like, either you fit in this group or you fit in this group. Absolutely. There's no no mixing and no no in-betweens. And... um, you know, I feel like now people are, are being more accepting and, um, you know, I think that the Internet has a lot to do with that, um, both through social media and just through the um, the access to um, just more people on the mm-hmm. planet and like mm-hmm. um, and noticing that the differences are shrinking and that um, they don't matter as much. So what do you think that means for <clears throat> for brands and, and media, right? Like, you know. I think back then it was easy for brands to say so know who their who their tribe was, right? You know, and and media, right? We could be the magazine for this, and the you know, the website for that. And now that there's so much more nuance to it, how do, how does that change that landscape? I feel like it's um, it's better. I mean, there's more data this, these days than there was, you know, yeah, like in the previous hundred years of advertising like there's more data in like one day now than right. the previous hundred years yeah and um it allows us to um to target people directly based on their interest and not necessarily like um and to, to get them on what they're interested in as opposed to like just having this like campaign of like total relatability like the the coke campaign or mm-hmm. you know, the Polaroid campaign or whatever, you know, like these things that were like these broad, everybody had a childhood, everybody can remember the, the magic of childhood memories right, sure. or, you know, yeah. whatever. And like, um, 
I feel like now it's like, well, we don't need everybody. We just need the people that are going to want to be in our community and the people yeah. that are going to want to um, to participate. And um, the 99% don't, don't matter if we can get the 1%. So how... And I feel like it allows, like, that 1%, while if it was 1% of a single, uh, single population, it, it is still fairly insignificant. But once you consider it, one percent of the world, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's connected these days. Yeah, um, it it has much more of an impact. Interesting. Um, you know, you you said something about you know you're you're not for everybody, and I think those brands you just referenced that like they tr- you know they they try to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, have you had to kind of rein that in, or is there temptation along the way to start thinking we can broaden? No. Beyond our base, or I mean, our name is Suicide Girls. Yeah, that it just eliminates a population yeah. of, like, a portion of the population just without us having to do anything. You yeah, know? sure. Like your grandmother is never going to be like, "Oh, I saw Suicide Girls the other day, and <laughs> that was a really fun photo set." You know, <laughs> right? Like it just it it is what it is. Yeah, that helps. I'm sure. Yeah. And what about? Uh, the perceptions to to about tattoos have changed so dramatically since you guys started. They have, and I feel like um, the uh, the embracing of tattoos is is positive for um, for everybody. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's it's great for us because people see it as as more of it's not a negative anymore. Right. But um, you know, the whole point of a tattoo to me is that it's it's a marker in time of like some memory or something so that you're marking on the inside what's going on or on the outside what's going on on the inside mm-hmm. and so they're not meant to be things that you're like I'm always gonna like butterflies and so I'm gonna always get a butterfly right that's the one thing that I know that I'm never gonna change and that's the thing that I'm gonna have forever and be stoked on yeah you know it's not you don't have to think in those grand terms it's like you know, I'm 20 years old and I'm having the time of my life and I feel free and I'm happy and I saw a butterfly cross the street the other day and I want to remember that that moment forever and so I'm going to get a butterfly tattoo. Yeah. And in 20 years you can be like, you know, I've outgrown butterflies, but like they're still, you know, but that that memory of like being 20 and having that that moment is forever indelibly put on my body. Sure. I wonder, you know, I have a couple friends in the tattoo removal business. <laughs> And I wonder um, if they would say the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder if, I mean, uh, one of them kind of, you know, told me his vision is a world in which tattoos are, te- are temporary, right? That they, you can put them on and take them off at will. Yeah. Um, that obviously supports his business, but, <laughs> but that's why he started it because he thinks that that should happen, right? Yeah, that um, you can, they can just be, I mean... That it can be that moment, and maybe when that moment's over, you know, the tattoo goes. Well, eventually, if you mark every moment, you're going to run out of space and need to start again. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's where the tattoo removal comes in. Sure. But, I mean, I think if you're selective with your, if you you can use your Instagram to mark most moments, but the ones that are extra special you mark on your body, you should have enough, there should be enough real estate for a lifetime. Yeah. And as you get older, you get a little bit more real estate. Sure. So it's always been, you know, kind of counterculture. I was just talking to somebody, you know, guys my age, uh, we all got our ears pierced. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, in high school, that was just a thing. And you know, our parents were all shocked. And then, ten years later, I don't think parents were shocked anymore, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know, everyone started getting tattoos. Like you know, when I was in high school, zero people had tattoos. Um, yeah, it's and, definitely not par for the course. No, certainly, and uh, and. It, you know, so it was very much countercultural and this this um, it was an act of rebellion to some extent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that obviously I think has changed quite a bit uh, when you see them every day. And I mean, they still think that it's an act of rebellion, but it's more personal rebellion. Like it's more. <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like they're more significant to people these okay. days like that. They it's it's more of like. Like when you're full of teen angst and like, and you just want to show the world what is going on inside of your head, right? And you can mark it on your body and like have that. It's a, a little bit of a release and yeah. like it's a little bit of, you know, it's it's rebellion, but it's it's sort of like controlled rebellion and like in a positive sort of way. Sure. And then when you're you know thirty and you want to get it taken off because you're no longer that teen angsty person. You don't right. want to be remi reminded of that. You can go see your friend. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I just wonder, you know, what, um, cause there's this idea that those things need to escalate. Right. And, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about the, the porn business, right. That, you know, what was shocking when Hugh Hefner was doing it, you know, is like that has to continue. I don't even see Hugh Hefner as porn. Well, but he was at the time, it was considered porn, right? We may have not considered it that, but certainly in the 60s, 70s, right? It, uh, yeah, I, but, but, I but, see so more, I more of like an, an of it, like it's more of an artistic expression, I feel like. So, what I mean, and it, so, okay. Is, I may have the terminology yeah. wrong, but I guess what I'm saying is like, to some extent, all these things are about pushing boundaries, uh -huh. right? And then once those boundaries are pushed, they're no longer boundaries, uh -huh. right? And so... And so where do we go if we're in a society with no boundaries? Well, or, you know, you again, like, like I think... Um, uh, so, you know, all... Well, I was starting to say, like, guys my age all got their ears pierced. Guys 10, 20 years younger than me don't get their ears pierced anymore mm -hmm. because it's no longer a thing, right? It's, it's something, you know, it might be something your dad has that's like <laughs> no longer cool. Right. Or it's, or it's, uh, or it's at least not shocking. And I'm not saying the only reason people do that is to shock other people. There's obviously we're much more complex yeah. than that. Right. But, but as certain things start to lose their shock value, they either kind of fade away or there's the next level. Right. I mean, I feel like it's an evolution like that is of society more as a whole. I mean, like think about like the '60s and like how the kids rebelled against their parents back then, like right. long hair and like, yeah, you know, and um, wanting to be individuals and like free love and not conform and not join the not wear a suit and tie and not right, um, not join and like the evolution of that is like you're in a hoodie and jeans and you're at work, you yeah. know, and I'm in. Much nicer sweater. <laughs> I'm in an old man sweater and like and jeans and like tennis shoes, you know, like yeah. it's not um Sure. You know, and it's uh 
I'm I had a meeting a with a banker the other day and who yeah. was wearing a, a t-shirt and jeans. Exactly. Like yeah. it's, it's, that's an evolution where it just became a part of society. Right. And so I feel like, you know, there's, uh, certain things that get, the boundaries get pushed, um, and they, they kind of recoil a little bit, mm-hmm. but there's certain things that just have an impact on society and allow us to like move into a different stage. So I guess my question is, what does that mean for suicide girls? Does suicide girls continue to explore the redefining beauty mm-hmm. or does suicide girls, or is there a danger that it becomes associated with this one particular look? I feel like, you know, we've, we have girls, we've always had girls that like had tons of tattoos, face tattoos and girls that had zero tattoos. Yeah. And so like from the the day that we launched, we had a girl that had face tattoos and a girl that had zero tattoos. Yeah. So, okay. Um, you know, I feel like we're about the redefining beauty and self-expression and like, I feel like, you know, where that, how that's going to look in 15 years, I would be a fool to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, um, but I think that, you know, staying true to your message is, is the core of everything. And like, it's the most important, like, it's what I would caution people that are, you know, in the, in that pivot space, like you can pivot to, to adjust to, to what your community or what your market is, is requiring, but you have to stay true to your core values. Otherwise you don't have a, a business. You don't right. have a core. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do you make those decisions? You know, as, as the site grew, like I said, you got into books and movies and TV and touring and all these sort of uh, different businesses. Ancillary. Yeah. And um, and I imagine, you know, at a certain point, opportunities just start kind of coming to you. Um, yeah. How do you decide what fits and, and what's outside of the core? It's, I mean, I feel like it's... Uh, that I'm a member of the community and then I'm, I've always been very active in it and like that I, I, I let it inform me and like, you know, we've been approached for everything from pillowcases to, uh, wine to popsicles and like, you know, nice. and, and there's, we just don't do certain things cause it doesn't what fit flavor in. popsicle would you do? <laughs> I don't know. I think uh. that it was, I think we had options, but okay. I think probably, probably black. But oh yeah, I don't like, know black cherry maybe. Oh black cherry, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, but um and like lollipops and all kinds uh-huh. of like just stuff that is um yeah, it's just exploitative of the brand and we've right. we've always tried to make sure that it is natural and coming from the community within and that it's something that a product that the community would use and while our community I'm not saying they don't like candy or they don't like you know pillowcases everybody mm-hmm. sees the pillowcase. Um, if you don't, you're just gross. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's not something that they need to have Suicide Girls branded. It's not something right. that has that necessarily that tie-in where you're like, oh yeah, that fits. Like that's something that right. that works. And so are those hard decisions to make? I mean, you know, you're you're essentially leaving money on the table, right? Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it is, but at the same time, it's not destroying the core brand, and yeah. that's. You know, if you take all the all the small money around it, you're losing the big money of of the brand. Yeah. In destroying that. So you know, we were talking earlier about about Playboy, and I think they're a good example of taking all the wrong money along the way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen them struggle 
by multiple times. Well, in the nineties, the, they sold off all of their um, all right. of their branding to to make all of those crazy products. That, yeah. Like, yeah, know, at a certain point, their their core them. business became you know selling sweatpants and cheap jewelry to fourteen year old girls. Yeah, and um, that's probably not not the vision. No. Um, so I guess what I'm curious is, I don't know if that's one of them, but are there other businesses that you follow as models or as kind of cautionary? Cautionary tales. Yeah. Um. I feel like, who do we look to? Playboy, we look to um, Maxim to some extent. Um, and then uh, like Victoria's Secret and stuff mm. like that. And um, and even like uh, Sports Illustrated to some extent, um, just because uh, it's not their core, but the the swimsuit model is sure. it's a side business. It's pretty important for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um and although none of those brands get community the way that you guys do. It's true. I mean, and I feel like that's what Playboy was attempting to implement mm. a bit more of. Um in their with their sort of revamp mm-hmm. um of of late. But yeah. um I heard that they're selling. I don't know what it's. Yeah, I think I heard that. Um, I don't I'm, know this the details, so I don't want to. But yeah, I we can just make up shit. It's fine. <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you guys will buy them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're selling for uh, popsicles, right? Yes. To a popsicle company. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was interesting when I, you know, I read that they're doing away with nudity. Um, yeah, I feel like that was a slap in the face to women. Like, I feel like so, for so many decades, Playboy was, you know, the, the, um, the sort of bastion of acceptable beauty, you know, that, and like, I mean, while it had a limited view of, of what was like the female ideal, it was Mm -hmm. still, you know, saying that there was nothing wrong with your bodies and that you should embrace it. And like, it had a very healthy view of sexuality and it was progressive and it had, um, you know, it it was not afraid to to pair, you know, literary thought along with the nudity and like, mm-hmm. um, and it it just it had this uh, this embracing of of your body and and that your sexuality wasn't something to be ashamed of and for them to then say that nudity was not a part of what they were all about anymore is it's kind of a slap in the face to women. I feel like that's a really interesting perspective. I mean, I I didn't I never. That didn't occur to me, um, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's you know like, what? Like we we've built our brand on you, and now yeah. you're not good enough. Right. It's really interesting. Um, I just took it that like this is their ultimate statement that they've just lost their way because, you know, although I I got that what uh, what they did is not unique anymore, the way it was when they started. But that's mm-hmm. the way business goes. Yeah. But I feel like if that's not your brand, then you don't really have a brand. Exactly. Like they haven't come up with some other thing to really replace that. Yeah. I mean, their brand was built on, you know, all of the amazing interviews and like and sure. book previews and like yeah, reporting but, and all that but, as but well I, as like the women. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like they they kind of tamed down 
both aspects of right. it. Right. Yeah. And you can get that stuff elsewhere. Yeah. Right. You just couldn't get that combination anywhere else. Right. But you can get kind of either Except part. Except for on Suicide Girls. That's right. Um, how do you... Uh, how do you make time running a company <laughs> and raising a family? Um, how do you make time to, to be an active participant in the community the way you described? Um, I feel like I take, you know, two days a week where I do the feature feed on the front page and like go through the community and like see what's going on and like, uh, and, and comment on things and, uh, be active and like if I just take those two days then I can and I mean I'm involved in other decisions sure. you know that come up like yeah. messages or emails or things that happen you know throughout the week but um, being like taking the consciously making an effort to be tied into the community at least two, two or three days a week is important. That's amazing. So um, as a business owner right and you've gone from two people to 12 12 people it's big. It's still pretty yeah. tight. It's good. Still, yeah. Um, but still, you know. So, so I imagine you've had to evolve um, your style and be willing to kind of let things go. Yes. How's that been? What's What's been the hardest? The hardest part about. I mean, I feel like being a manager is you know, kind of like being a parent in the way that like each phase is, is hard. Right. <laughs> like giving up yeah. each phase has its own, um, its own challenges. And like at first, you know, I was so meticulous that like all the shop orders that would come in when we first started the company, I would tie up with a ribbon and write a handwritten thank you note to, to every person that supported us and like uh -huh. make sure that everything was packaged properly and like that every do quality control on all of the merch and like sure and spend like hours on every email and like just make sure that everything was top notch and then when it just became overwhelming to, to run right. everything yeah. that way you know having people come in and like um having the quality sort of not degrade entirely but just not be that sort of yeah. obsessive crazy person level yeah. <laughs> of perfection sure um you know that was hard to to give up um I'm self-taught and so explaining my process and like when I'm asked like why why do you do it that way mm -hmm. I don't fucking know I just do it that right. way that's the way it works yeah. you know like I don't have like that teacher background and so that was very hard to like yeah to be able to just take a step back and like be like okay this is not a challenge this is they're just interested in like mm -hmm. I don't know you know and like using it as a moment to like have self-reflection and be like I don't know why I do it that way this is the way that's worked for me yeah um, and then, uh, you know, then there've been, I mean, there's, there's so many challenges of like mentoring people and like, um, we hire girls from within the community to work for us for the most part because, yeah. you know, both Sean and I dropped out of college and, um, we feel like with enough training and opportunity, you know, anybody can do anything that they set their mind to. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we, for 90% of the jobs we hire girls that are models on the site. And, mm -hmm. um, so that has, you know, had its challenges and like, um, it's been incredibly rewarding when there's, you know, uh, super successes and there's been, it's been, you know, some, there's been some disappointments and some heartaches when things don't work out the way that 
that you had a vision yeah. for? If you were making it, if you were starting now, would you still do it that way? I think so. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that it's important to, to be able to take it back. And I mean, I feel like it's kept us smaller probably than if we'd taken VC and like had blown it up. But at, at the same time, like, I don't think that I would be doing it 15 years later. Yeah. You know, if we'd done it differently. Yeah. And I feel like um, it's, you know, when I was originally working for all of the dot coms and, you know, seeing all the crazy VC and crazy um, money that came in and having everything, like, uh, just turn over so quick and, like, billions of dollars, like, just disappear, poof, and, like, nobody cared. And, like, that was was an important lesson to me because I was, like, I don't want to just be, like, rich and, like, and not have to work. I want to do something that I'm passionate about and like yeah. something that, something that I love. And, um, and so, you know, I made a conscious choice to continue doing the stuff that I love and not to be, you know, fat cow. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Or I guess, what is it? What's the word for fat like? cat? Fat cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad with analogies. No, I like it. I like the mixed, uh, the mixed analogies better. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can use the regular ones. <laughs> Anybody can use the right ones. Right. I Make up your own. They're much better when you, yeah. Exactly. It's like tattoos. Like That's right. You just have to express yourself. That's right. Pick and um, choose. I so think cows better than cats anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, cows are way better. Yeah. Yeah. They've got doughy big brown eyes and they like want, eyelashes and stuff. They give milk and cheese. It, they give cheese, which yeah. is. Cheese is pretty important. And ice cream. Right. <laughs> So uh, you talked about um, an early mentor. Uh-huh. Um, have you had other mentors along the way? And, like, who's taught you stuff that's really important? Um, well, I mean, I think Dave was huge. Um, what did Gold- you learn from Dave? I mean, Dave Goldberg was just, he taught me that to believe in people and to, like, believe in the ideas and that, you know, if you have a good idea and you work hard enough that you can make anything happen. Um, and, uh, he passed away a year ago, I think. Mm. And it was, that was devastating. Cause he'd, you know, he was yeah, my sure. first boss, but he'd like helped me out throughout, you know, and, nice. um, it, that was really hard. And then, um, I have some, I, I found like mentors in sort of odd places like Anthony Zyker, <laughs> who created CSI. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's just such like, you know, he's, he's a Vegas guy and like, he's, uh, you know, he, he, a little bit of luck goes a long way and like, you know, you just have to celebrate the things as they come and like, yeah. um, and, uh, and then Ken Mock who created America's Next Top Model. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Interesting. He's, yeah, I know. I've got, Crazy. I've been lucky to, to have crazy, cool mentors. Yeah. Um, what did you learn from Ken? Ken taught me that uh, you that you if you have a good idea, you should just go for it, no matter what. Um, what uh, if it fits in your category? If it doesn't fit in your category? If it fits in your you know your wheelhouse? If if it, you think it's a good idea, just work hard on it, and yeah. and you can succeed. 
Whereas like before I was a bit more compartmentalized in, in the things that, you know, like I'm only good at this or I'm yeah. only good at that. And he's like, you know, no, you can, you can dream bigger and, and do, do more. So nice. Yeah. What, um, what sacrifices have you had to make that you weren't expecting? Um, I have, I feel like a lot of the sacrifices that I made were things that, um, I didn't, I could have not done as much. Like I felt like I had to be like the serious one, like running everything and like, Mm. and not enjoying the moments as much. And I feel like I could have. I could have enjoyed more. I could have let some of that go and like so still you, been in charge. Are you better at that now or is that still the thing? It's an evolution, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely trying to be better at it. Um, but like uh, I'm writing a book right now and in, in part of it, I asked um, a couple of the girls to write chapters about how suicide girls has impacted their lives. And cool. um, I got one back from, uh, from this model Nixon, who's been a suicide girl forever. And, um, she's writing about all these amazing, like crazy, wild, fun times. And like, and I'm part of it, but I don't right. like looking back. I'm like, oh yeah, that go, was, yeah, that yeah. was fun. I should have, I should have just embraced the oddness of it a little bit more and like sure. been more in the moment. Yeah. I don't know if you can learn that. I think, I think it's only old age that <laughs> maybe, or I, I don't know. Cause I'm the same. I'm not a celebrator Yeah, like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have some people around me that are, and and I, but I'm not sure that you, you I, can really pick that up. I think that I think it. I've been trying for a little while for yeah. like, yeah, and I feel like it's something that you can, you can do. Okay. Like, yeah. So you should try. Like, all right. Pop a bottle of champagne just because you have something that might happen, or you know, like that's a great idea. Like, let's do it now. <laughs> James, you got that champagne? Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, well, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary with this show, so yeah. we'll have a big you should have a celebration celebration for that. You should have a celebration for that. You should have a celebration for, you know, if somebody cool starts following you, you should yeah. celebrate that. Like, have a moment. Go out to dinner. Okay. Like, yeah. Nice. I'm down for that. Um, all right. I think we're to the speed round. Oh, okay. Um, what's the... Uh, so you're writing a book. Uh-huh. What's the last great book you read? Oh, um, this is going to sound really crazy because um, I'm doing, I'm reading a lot of autobiographies right now because I'm writing one. You're writing one? Um, but, uh. You steal Howard, stories from other people's autobiographies? No. You should do that. <laughs> it should just be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a chapter short. I just need yeah. to just copy verbatim. Yeah, this yeah. happened. I was flying through the Himalayas. <laughs> I don't know whose story um, that is, by the way. Yeah. But Howard Stern's autobiography, oh, yeah. it's, it's surprisingly like really... private parts? Private parts, yeah. yeah. It's really it's really well-written and like... It's a good movie. Yeah. I didn't read it. Oh, well, it's a good book, but, too. Yeah. He, he is very insightful and like humble and honest and... Have you done his show? I haven't. I'm nervous, too. You are? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because he has such like... I don't know. I would imagine Howard would be a fan of I, what I, you do. Probably. Yeah. I don't know why. I've never you said, I think show. you probably you have to bring like two girls with you. Yeah. 
and then they'd have to like make He's out. He's gonna or make something. a make out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you can find two girls. That yeah, you can find for that. Yeah, two girls that are dating or something. Right. So it's within their wheelhouse. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, movie. I know it's tough because with the kids. Um, I don't know if you are you. Do you go to see the kids' movies? I do. Yeah, I won't. I opted out of that. <laughs> You're like, no, no, not for me. He has to watch my movies. Oh, like so what like, movies do you watch? Well, no, like we watch a lot of movies like that I saw as a kid. Uh-huh. So, oh, so yeah. a lot of eighties. I there's a couple that I'm going to caution you about. Yeah. Um, Stand by Me is not for kids. No, it's it's definitely not. <laughs> I remember it as like, oh, they yeah, get no. it some some prankstery like right kid. no it's no. they're swearing and they smoke the whole time yeah. and they it's just it's not so, so we watched kids. uh bad news bears the oh, 70s one yeah the Man, also not for kids not for kids no 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 yeah i know we did that same thing and they're drinking beers Drink, yeah, they're like, like eight-year-olds yeah. drinking beers yeah not good not really um and goonies also not goonies not goonies um gremlins oh it's a little scary it's a little scary but but I was like, oh, it'll be fine because, you know, he likes kind of scary movies and it's not super scary. Uh-huh. But it ruined Santa Claus because Phoebe really? Cates, her dad in it, I, I didn't remember this, but yeah. he um, he pretends to be Santa and like gets stuck in the roof or in the chimney no and way. dies. Oh, you're And kidding. like she tells the story and it's like, it, <laughs> it's like the That's worst. That's crazy. Yeah, the worst. So is that, so, yeah, is that so, what happened? Yeah, so we watched that. And, oh, you know, and no Santa, way. Yeah, so. Wow. Um, yeah, my kid's still into Santa, so we won't. Yeah. That's a good one. Avoid, avoid gremlins because right. that's not something you want to deal Interesting. with. Interesting. So we watch like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. And yeah. We just started watching James Bond. Ooh. Which is all right. They're not great films, but, yeah. you know, it's all right. He, there's enough. He, the sex stuff, I'll like pass it. it he doesn't get it. Yet. Yeah. Like if anything, he hides his eyes when they're kissing on, on screen. Aw. Um, and the rest, but he likes the, you know, chasing and stuff, fighting. Yeah. That's cool. Um, it's the last great movie that I saw. I feel like I see a lot of movies. Um, but we've been moving house and, like, I haven't had TV for a very long time. So mm. um, it's been a while. Um, did I see a I saw The Witch. That was pretty good. Was it? Yeah. It was like freaky. It was like creepy. I don't know. I like like startle scare movies. And oh, you so do? It's not, so does my wife. Yeah. So it was not a startle scare movie, but it yeah. was it was like a lasting like creepiness. Um, I saw, this is not very lightning. I'm not, I'm just failing at the lightning That's portion right. of it. Um. I see. I saw Creed. That was really good. Okay. Um, I love Rocky movies. You do? I love boxing. Nice. Which is pretty antithetical to who I am, but I love it. Um, there's just something so beautiful about you know, the amount of work that goes into perfecting boxers' bodies and, like, and the movements. And, Interesting. And, like, the studying and, like, it's, it's like dance. I feel like if you're a boxer... That means that you don't have very good friends. 
Because, like, somebody should have stopped you from getting punched in the face for a living. <laughs> yeah. They have huge entourages, though. Yeah, but those people are feeding uh, yeah, off Yeah, those people them. are not your friends. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Do you travel with an entourage? I don't. No. I mean, I'm here by myself today. Well, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need to travel with an entourage. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on movies. Can we come that's back okay. to That's okay. We don't have to worry about the movies. <laughs> um, what about uh, as a photographer? Are there other are there photographers that you're checking for? Anyone kind of up and coming that inspires you? Oh, you had to go with the up and coming part. I had all of the. Like, oh, okay. Give me the no. Give me the give me the old school. Who are um, your favorites? Diane Arbus, Man Ray, um, Alfred Stieglitz. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, it's a good list. That's that's a pretty good list so far. Those are good. Um, there's another one that I'm completely drawing a blank on right now, but I it's like they're doing a retrospective at both the Getty and the and Lachma this month. Uh, he shot Calilles and he also shot um, erotic male nudes. Oh wow! Not familiar with that. Um, he's James is looking it up. All right. Is it Robert? Thanks, James. Thanks for having my back. Robert Maplethorpe. Yes, Maplethorpe. That's a good name to remember. It is. Um, Patty Smith's Just Kids was about Maplethorpe and her starting out together. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That was a good book too. Nice. Yeah. Um, so if I was, uh, if I worked, if I was one of your twelve, if I were employee number thirteen. Uh-huh. What's something I would hear you say a lot around the office? Um, oh, wow. What, what would you say? I don't know. Um, what do I say around the office? You'd probably hear me talking about my glittery pants or my glittery shoes or my glittery something. Glittery fingernails. <laughs> glittery fingernails. Exactly. Um, but uh, I run a pretty tight ship, like... We use uh, software that tracks everything. And so um, I have weekly meetings with the employees, with all the employees. So that way um, I don't have to micromanage, but everything yeah. is very like, like I'm in constant touch with them. And like, it's it's very, like they give me daily reports and like we have ongoing projects and we meet weekly to discuss the progress on them and all that. And nice. Yeah. Um, so. It's big. And what about this? Is not very lightning roundy. This is this is not a. <laughs> I know this is the worst um, lightning round ever. It kind of just is. saying. <laughs> no, I, we're gonna go with it. Just all right. Slow lightning. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like we're that slug. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, so. Uh, you have a partner. Yes, I do. How does that work? What? How do you? How do you divide and conquer? I feel like. It's been, you know, we've been working together for 15 years, so we've butted heads. We've had crazy of course, um, crazy ideological fights, and we've had, like, all sorts of, um, you know, times when we agreed, you know, everything was copacetic, and we were working super intrinsically together, and, like, it was just the two of us building up. And, um, and now I feel like we just, we have this trust between us yeah. that is, um, it's, so nice you know to not have like to just have somebody that you know you can count on and like 
um, if you, you can trust their opinion and just know that they've they're they're doing what's right and like that you've you've worked out all the kinks along the way and mm-hmm. like and that you know if if you say you know can you take over this and that they'll do it and they'll do it well and they'll do it to the to the top level and yeah and if they say if they ask you to do something then you you just do it and like because you know that it's right for the business and like yeah. there's there's no real strife anymore it's just Was there something at the beginning that uh that helped you know that that he was the right partner for you um or was it not i mean it sounded like it was pretty casual yeah it was it was pretty casual and it's um i mean he's just always been there for me like no matter how much we fight or how much we like butted heads in the beginning um he was just always like he would just always come back to the table and so yeah <laughs> that um in and of itself i think is important so how do you know you know and again thinking of all these startups out there and or just you know people who want to start businesses um there's a lot of talk about the importance of partnerships yeah i mean i think that you have to believe in each other as much as you believe in the idea Mm. and like just know that um and and trust and like it's it's hard to to just have that faith in somebody, but um, yeah. But if you just keep coming back after the arguments, then they're the right partner for you. Yeah, that's big. Okay, last question, and I'll All give right. you two choices. Right. Um, this is more lightning. This is lightning. Uh, so you know, I don't know how much you're into DJs, but if you have a favorite DJ, uh-huh. um, and if not, would you have a favorite DJ? Uh, probably Major Laser. Major Laser. Okay. Does he qualify as a DJ? Or would, like, Steve Aoki He's be not more a, DJ? You know, we're not here to judge. All right, all right. Yeah, this is a judgment-free zone. Right. We like Major Lazer. Right. Disclosure, they're a duo. They're not really... I mean, they do DJ. They do I DJ. Think. Yeah. But they make songs. Right. We like Disclosure. Yes. Um. So if you're on... Uh, you're on a deserted island. Uh-huh. Is it desert island or deserted island? If you're on an island of uh-huh. any type and yeah. you can bring three records. Three records? What are they? They're uh, Alice Costello, My Aim is True, um, The Pixies Do Little, and uh, Otis Redding's uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. That was a lightning answer. Love it. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being here. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate all the wisdom. And uh, we will keep following everything you're doing. Let's promote the socials. Not that you need our help. Um, First, at Suicide Girls on everything. So Instagram, Suicide Girls. And what's coming up? Blackheart Burlesque? Blackheart Burlesque Tour is coming up um, end of... We've got dates throughout the year in different countries and different parts of the world. So... Just check out blackheartburlesque.com. And you can also follow Blackheart Burlesque on all the social to find out where we're at. Awesome. Yeah, we may go down to San Diego and see that. Oh, yeah, we're doing Comic-Con show. That's always my favorite. Cool. It's the best. Yeah, I bet. It's, like, always, like, super long and has crazy numbers that we're trying out for the next tour. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's the most fun show of the year. Cool. Great. And we're doing two of them this year, so. 
two Comic-Con shows. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, Friday nice. and Saturday. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll take a trip down there. Uh, Rebel Radio listeners, join us in San Diego for Black Harper Lesk. <laughs> All right. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. Yo, how dope was she? I loved what she had to say. I hope you did too. I'd love to hear what you think. Hit me on Twitter, at Rebel Radio Net. Hit us on Facebook, or leave us a review on iTunes. Most importantly, come back next week for our interview with Michelle Tam, founder of Nom Nom Paleo. She's gonna tell you how to get your fitness, your diet right, and much more. Before we go, we got some bills to pay. Check out this message from our sponsor, Wix.com. Wix.com is the best place to go to build your own website for your business, your portfolio, your artistic career, whatever your hustle is, you need a website and Wix.com is the place to make that happen. It's easy, it's fast, it's free. There's hundreds of designer-made customizable templates and you can just drag and drop your images, your copy in there and you're done. Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com.